Welcome to Hope for the Heart. I thank you for joining us today, and I look forward to this text, this very, these few verses of Scripture that we'll be able to cover today in the book of Revelation. So I hope you have a copy of God's Word and can follow along. Even if you don't uh, uh, read along with me, you can kind of kind of keep track of where I am, and you can look at it on your own time. But to give us context today, I want to begin reading in Revelation chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Very strange passage, and we're going to take a look at this today and see what we can glean from this. So if you'll put your attention and focus on beginning in verse 6 of chapter 4 of Revelation, I'll read it to us to give us the uh, the context. Beginning in verse 6, the Word of God reads, And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. And the first creature was like a lion, and the second creature was like a calf. The third creature had the face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. We've been looking at Revelation chapter 4 for a few weeks, and we're going to be working our way all the way through the end of the book of Revelation. And in between some of that, we'll be able to look at some of the other passages outside of the book of Revelation like Daniel, Isaiah, and Ezekiel, and even Thessalonians and Matthew in the New Testament. And so we'll have a chance to look at some of those, but uh, our subject today is on these living creatures. And uh, it gives us an opportunity to see these and to analyze these. We may not ever really know all of the description and be able to explain every single thing about these, but we are going to take a closer look at these, and we'll be comparing them with what Ezekiel saw in his vision in chapter 1 of Ezekiel. So if you want to have that also marked and you can turn to that, or just make note of that and then you can look at that on your own sometime. But if you ever want to get a, a, an idea of how tough it would be to go to heaven, God allowing you to come up and to see all that is in heaven and all that these people saw, uh, you might get an idea of what it would be like to come back and try to write down what you saw. Uh, it is a very complicated thing. In fact, you can read Revelation chapter uh, <clears throat> 4 of the living creatures and then go to the section of Ezekiel chapter 1 and see the difference. You see how difficult it must have been. But the first thing I want you to note is that there is no evidence of John here in heaven, around the very throne of God, being fearful as he sees these, what is called creatures. <clears throat> There's no reason to be fearful. This is God's creation, and we are told that they're actually beautiful beings. In fact, that's really what they should be called, as living beings instead of any kind of a, a beast or creature. I know some writers call them beasts. One writer calls them monsters. And I think that perhaps these writers have, have either seen too much television uh, or have been too associated with the scary movies. And because 
sometimes we tend to look at things like this and it draws our attention back to something we've seen on some kind of a scary movie on television or at the movies. And this is not what this is. This is a created being. This is not a being of, that represents evil. This is a being that really stands in the very presence of God. And they are not to be feared. Uh, they are to be uh, looked upon as, as what they are. They're guardians of the glory and the, uh, the splendor of God himself. And so as we look at these, we're going to be looking back and forth to, to Ezekiel and this chapter of Revelation chapter 4. But we've come this far in, and we're in heaven. We see heaven of heavens. A third heaven is where we are uh, as far as John, where he is in heaven. And we, we notice the throne. We've talked about the throne and this throne is actually God. And around the throne, the manifestations of his grace and his mercy and his faithfulness are there with the crowned and the raptured church. We said that is what we believe, that the 24 uh, crowns, I mean the 24 thrones and the, the elders are at this point. They are the uh, crowned and the raptured church. And from the thrones come the emblems of this uh, fiery judgment. And before the throne is the Spirit of God that we looked at last week, uh, the sevenfold Spirit of God. And so we're drawn to this, and we see the, last week we also mentioned the sea of glass. Uh, we said that it is not a sea. Uh, the phraseology that is used in the scripture is, says that it was like a sea of glass. And so we said that this was a platform of crystal that caused his glory to be reflected. So we see God in his universal role. We see him in his glory, his splendor, his beauty. All of these descriptive words we could use here to describe God, even his majesty and his sovereignty, his power, his holiness, and his wrath. They're all on full display as we take a glimpse of what John is able to stand before in heaven, knowing that we're going to be right there able to see all of this one day and probably soon. The scene then is the throne of the glory of God as he is, begins to unleash his wrath and his judgment upon this earth. And so we can see the commotion in heaven as we titled last week's message. And we can see how it is all beginning to take shape and it is getting ready for Revelation chapter 5 where the Lord begins to take back uh, the, of the full possession of the earth. Uh, which uh, has been known all of this time as the Lord's Day, I mean the man's day, and now it's about to become the Lord's Day. And he will take the earth and give it to his son, who is the rightful heir. And that's what happens during this time on earth, as it is called the tribulation or the great tribulation or the day of the Lord. So this incredible vision has so much meaning and significance for us. I just hope that we can glean even just a portion of this uh, and be encouraged by this because Revelation does tell us that we ought to read this and be blessed by it. But I want to draw your attention to verse 6 of Revelation chapter 4. And that is this passage, And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. Now, that just has an, an indication to us that this these beings... Four living beings is what, I, as I mentioned earlier, should be called not beasts or animals. I don't think that really gives a, as good of a, an interpretation to this. It gives a sense of this, 
inner circle moving uh, around the throne, very close to the very presence of God. And so we're, we're drawn to that. John is drawn to that. And again, he's not fearful. He's not scared to death. We have no indication of that. But it is worth our attention to take note of this. And so as we uh, look at this, I want you to, to think back or either go to, I know most people don't remember what Ezekiel chapter 1 is, but I'm going to be taking some verses out of Ezekiel to just compare what Ezekiel saw in his vision and what John is standing in front of in where he is on the third heaven. Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 4 says this, And I looked, and behold, a storm wind was, was coming from the north, a great cloud with fire flashing forth continually in a bright light around it, and in the midst something like glowing metal in the midst of the fire. And within it there were figures resembling, and here they are, four living beings. And he describes them. Listen to what he says in verse 5 of Ezekiel chapter 1. And this was their appearance. They had human form. Each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight and their feet were like a calf's hoof and they gleamed like burnished, burnished bronze. And so you would think, well, what are these beings here? Uh, what do they represent? I mean, why do they look like this? And it does seem like if this was on a, a, a show late at night, you would not want to even watch this. It might scare you to death. But John is not scared here. Ezekiel is not scared here. He's just simply telling us what he saw. And listen to what it says here. Under their wings and their four sides were human hands, and their faces and the wings of four of them, their wings touched one another. Their faces did not turn when they moved. Each went straight forward. And as for the form of their faces, each had the face of a man. All four had the face of a lion, and on the right, and on the face of the bull, on the face of a bull on the left, and all four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. Their wings were spread out above. Each had two touching another being, and two covering their bodies. Each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit was about to go, they would go, and without turning uh, as they went. So these are very unusual creatures, and they, they are... Or beings, and they're being distinguished from other angels. Now, are they angels? Well, we're, we're going to get to that in just a minute. But they're being uh, characterized as different from perhaps other angels. Listen to what he says in uh, Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. In the midst of the living beings, there was something that looked like burning coals of fire, like torches darting back and forth among the living beings. The fire was bright and lightning was flashing from the fire, and the living beings ran to and fro like bolts of lightning. And that, of course, gives us a picture that John sees when he says they were in and out and around. We, t we tend to see whether it's John or whether it's Ezekiel that they're in motion here. They're involved in something here. Whatever is taking place around them is in involving them greatly. Verse 15, as I looked at the living beings, behold, there was one wheel on the earth beside the living beings for each of the four of them. The appearance of the wheels and the workmanship was like a sparkling beryl, and all four of them had the same form, their appearance and workmanship being as if one wheel was within another. Whenever they moved, they moved in in any of the four directions without turning as they moved. Very unusual. And as, their, as for their rims, that is the wheels, they were lofty, 
and awesome, and the rims of all four of them were full of eyes round about. I can't even imagine what this is. You know when Ezekiel wrote this, he had never seen anything like this. And so as he's trying to describe this, and it is a vision, and so it's probably not going to match exactly to what John is able to stand in front of and, to, and say what he sees. But listen to how he describes it in verse 19 of Ezekiel chapter 1. And whenever the living beings moved, the wheels moved with them. And whenever the living beings rose from the earth, the wheels rose also. Wherever the Spirit was about to go, they would go in that direction. And the wheels rose close beside them, for the Spirit of the living beings was in the wheels. Whenever they rose, they went. And when they went, wherever they stood still, they stood still. And wherever they rose from the earth, the wheels rose close beside them, for the Spirit of the living beings was in the wheels." And I'm going to go ahead and read a couple more of these verses, beginning in verse 22. Now, over the heads of the living beings, there was something like an expanse, like the awesome gleam of crystal extending over their heads. And under the expanse of their wings were stretched out straight, one towards the other. Each one had two wings covering their bodies and one side and on the other side. I also heard the sound of their wings and the sound of the abundant waters as they went, like the voice of the Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army camp. Wherever they stood still, they dropped their wings, and, and there came a voice from above the expanse. It was over their heads. Wherever they stood still, they dropped their wings. You say, wow, you know, I wish I could have talked to Ezekiel when he came back and saw this or when he was uh, awakened from his visions like, I guarantee he was probably numb for uh, several weeks. You know, sometimes you just kind of, you still wake up in the morning after you've had a weird dream, and you, it's just like you, you, you tend to want to still think about it and trying to figure it out. Well, that's where we are. What, what does that all mean? Well, I'm not sure about all the details of what Ezekiel was giving us, but one thing you can say, and I mean this to almost be a joke, but it's true. He saw something spectacular. He saw four living beings with all of these various faces and manifestations and the movements and all that comes from them, from whether it be the, the torches of fire coming from them. He saw the spirit of those living beings and some kind of wheels that was moving, and those wheels seemed to be bright and flashing, all in motion. That was quite a, probably a, a, a thing just to see this, uh, supernatural light coming from this uh, that you would not be able to explain. Well, who are they? Well, I, I want to get into that because I, I don't want to, the time to get by and we don't really know, but we do know who these are. These are angels. Uh, now, who are they and who are the living creatures? They're incredibly beautiful and glorious beings who are so utterly indescribable. That's the way one writer says it. So don't try to take everything in Ezekiel 1 and comprehend it. It's just, it's not meant to be that. It's just a description of what they are. But we do get an idea of who they are found in Ezekiel chapter 10, beginning in verse 15. I want to read this to you. You don't have to try to turn there. Just listen to what this is saying. In Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 15. Then the cherubim rose up. They are the living beings that I saw by the river Shebar. Now, when cherubim moved, the wheels would go beside them. So when the cherubim lifted up their wings to rise from the ground, the wheels would not turn from beside them. 
when the cherubim stood still, the wheels stood still, and where the row and when they rose, the wheels would rise with them, for the spirit of the living beings was in them. He's simply saying that these living beings are the cherubim. And we've heard that phrase before. You remember the phrase of the two kinds of angels that we've heard, cherubim and seraphim. And in these cherubim were blazing lights and glory and movement and flashing brilliance. Cherubim are angels. Uh, that's plural for cherub. Cherubim are angels frequently referred to in the Old Testament in connection with God's divine power. In fact, there are several places in the Bible. In Psalm 80, verse 1, in Psalm 99, verse 1, and many other places we find cherubim associated with God and with the power of God, and we can note that they appear also to be concerned about the holiness of God. And uh, then the, 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 they in also in, they're concerned with God's presence and they're guarding His holiness. Now, I don't even know what that means to guard His holiness, but they are there for the purpose of expressing His power uh, when He bids them and gives them permission to do that. In First Kings chapter six, verse twenty-three, in the inner sanctuary, the building of the temple, He made two cherubim of olive wood, each one ten cubits high and one five cubits. And five cubics was the one wing of the cherubim, and five cubics the other wing of the cherub. A cubic is, uh, you know, about 18 inches. Uh, I've heard different measurements for that, but it's about 18 inches. The other cherub was 10 cubics. Both the cherubim were of the same measure in the same form. The height of one cherub was 10 cubics, and so was the other cherub. That's what it says in First Kings. And he placed the cherubim in the midst of the inner house, and the wings of the cherubim, were spread out so that the wings of one was touching uh, one wall and the wing of the other cherubim was touching the other wall. So their wings were touching each other in the center of the house. He also overlaid the cherubim with gold. Now you know in the inner sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, the cherubim were spread out over the, the seat or the mercy seat in the Ark of the Covenant. <coughs> Excuse me. And they are symbols of, they're again, guarding the holiness of God. The symbols are representing the power of God as he acts uh, and responds to sin. They, then, are the living creatures. This is what Ezekiel saw. This is what John sees, these living creatures. And it tells us in these passages that they are most beautiful, they are magnificent and glorious, they're just indescribable. And I want you to, to make a, a note of this also. In Ezekiel 28, that might be a passage that some of you are familiar with because it describes one of these uh, cherubim and uh, cherubs, and you might be interested to know who it is. It's actually Satan himself. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You have you had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, beauty in you, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Now he's describing the cherub of, of uh, Lucifer at this point. That was his name, Lucifer, at that point. And this is what he looked like. Ruby and topaz and diamond and all of these stones, beautiful blue stones, the turquoise and the emerald and the gold, the workmanship of the setting and the sockets was in you. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. Now listen to this. It says in verse 14 of Ezekiel 28, you were anointed. And then it says, the cherub who covers, 
who's there to guard God, as it were, to guard his holiness. And then it says, I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created. Who is he talking about? Well, he's talking about Satan. That's who he's talking about. So when you see this picture that John sees and you read the description of what Ezekiel sees in his vision, you're looking at the way Satan was. That's the form he had at that present time. One of those living creatures, one of the cherubim, uh, who may well be just like seraphim. We don't really know much about seraphim, but we believe that they were all pretty much the same. These angelic beings are unique. They were elevated. We know that they're ranks of angels. They must have been at the very top in the uh, third chapter of the book of Genesis. The man and woman were cast out of the Garden of Eden. And the cherubim, remember, were placed at the garden entrance on the east side to guard it and to keep the tree of life, to keep man from eating from the tree of life and living forever in his fallen nature, in his fallen state. So in the building of the tabernacle, the pattern which God gave to Moses from heaven, there were cherubims. Uh, in that, the, the fabric of the veil, the ten curtains covered the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant that contained the Ten Commandments, which if man kept, he should live, and if he man broke, he would die, that they were there, and they were solid gold, like the uh, it covered these cherubim. Throughout the Old Testament, Jehovah God is called the one who dwells between the cherubim. And so they were very special angels. And so that's who we're looking at here. So when, when John's talking about this, he's talking about the very throne room of God, standing right in front of God, and these four living creatures who have this description are there. In fact, if you look at Revelation chapter, chapter 4, back to that, I know I've been in Ezekiel, but if you go back to Revelation chapter 4, verse 6, we can begin to, to analyze what he says. The four living creatures were full of eyes in front and behind. Uh, that is precisely what Ezekiel said. He said they, they were like a wheel. Their spirit was like a, a wheel with full of eyes. They exalted order of, of angels. They've seen by their closeness to the throne. They were in and around, obviously in, indicating movement. They're certainly hard to be distinguished, I guess, from the rest of the angels. I don't know whether you can call angels like common angels or... Or these are special angels, but they are different. They were, for example, in Revelation chapter 7. All the angels standing around the throne. And then it says, and the elders and the four living creatures. So they are, they are separated from the rest of the angels. So they are even sorted out from all of them as maybe a, a, just a different kind of angel. Their task, their duty, uh, perhaps makes them more elevated, more responsible, more unique. If not at all, more righteous. I don't know. For the angels are equally holy. Uh, I don't know. But it says, what the eyes. Well, what about all these eyes? What sets them apart? Well, we find out here they have eyes everywhere. What does that mean? Well, we know, first of all, it doesn't mean they're omniscient. That's reserved for God. That's a, an attribute reserved only for God. Apparently, it's indicative of the comprehensive knowledge, as one writer puts their ability to see and perceive things. Um, they're, uh, they are... Uh, there to protect and to serve God and to and to guard the holiness, and they it says it had six wings and the full of eyes are around and within. Twice it reminds us that their eyes are everywhere. It speaks of their knowledge, uh, their knowledge. They're very knowledgeable angels, 
and they are aware of anything that could probably be within their scope. The second thing is that the, the image it says one is a has the face of a the, uh, the was like a lion. The second was like a calf. Third was like the face of a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. And this is very similar to Ezekiel as well. We don't expect it to be exact because of the, the nature here. But Ezekiel's cherubim represented human beings generally and then had these same kind of characteristics of a lion, a calf, the man, and the eagle. Well, John just gives us a sample description of the viewpoint, but Ezekiel's uh, had four facial appearances, but as John looks, he only sees one of each of the four faces on each one. But each one of the cherubim that Ezekiel sees all have all four. And so that, that makes it very interesting for us, for us to look at what do these faces of the cherubim mean? Well, it can mean several things, and perhaps it might mean all of these, but the faces they were turned, John saw, uh, and Ezekiel sees, they all have four on each of them. So that might suggest that they all are exactly uh, alike. But the Talmud says and wrote this about the primary forms of life in God's creation is represented by man, a calf, a lion, and an eagle. These are the primary forms uh, as God created them. And they felt that creation was represented in those four. Now, in the camp of Israel, when God placed the camp and placed them in certain parts uh, in, in, in relation to the tabernacle, there were three tribes gathered under each of four banners. Several tribes gathered under Reuben, symbolized by a man. Several tribes gathered under Dan, symbolized by an eagle. Several tribes gathered uh, under Ephraim, symbolized by the ox or a calf. And several tribes gathered with Judah, symbolized by the lion. So they could represent all of the created order in that sense, but they could also represent uh, the characteristics or attributes of the uh, God's people, Israel. Because in the past, God collected his people under these banners, and perhaps then uh, these angels have a role in some way in the life of Israel. But for now, we see them as in chapter 6, I mean, in chapter 4 of Revelation, we see, as we have mentioned last two weeks of the commotion and the heaven is getting prepared for judgment. So we are seeing them now involved in judgment. And they are involved in it. Chapter 6 says, "Look at listen to what chapter 6, verse 1. I saw the Lamb broke one of the seven seals. And judgment begins with the breaking of the first seal. And I heard one of the, here it is, one of the four living creatures saying with a, voice of thunder come and it is this cherub the one cherub that calls for the rider on the white horse that starts the judgments in chapter 15 of the book of revelation verse 7 one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of wrath of god uh, that is being poured out and so we can see again that it is very much involved here they're very much involved it is a cherubim uh, who is involved in almost every one of these judgments. Uh, but also I want you to notice that in verse 8, we looked at the uh, the, the, the ex expression of the facial uh, differences here, a lion, a calf, a man, and an eagle. But look at verse 8. The four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease. Uh, they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord 
God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and who was to come. So they're involved in the four living creatures, each one of them having these wings or eyes within and without. Each one of them is involved in worship. It's almost the same picture that that uh, Isaiah sees in Ezekiel in, in Isaiah chapter six, where he sees seraphim. They're called there. Each of them having six wings, with two he covered the face, uh, two covered the feet, and two is that they hovered, uh, kind of standing still in their motion. Uh, so here they have the highest order of heavenly beings have six wings to cover their face. Why? Because they're created beings, and it says they could not look on the glory of God without being consumed. Two cover their feet because the very crystal platform which is reflecting God and the two uh, which they hover and do their bidding. You might note that the four of the six wings are related to worship and only two are related to service. So they have these wings and yet it says that they uh, are day and night they're around the throne and they are giving their 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 going giving their worship towards the throne which we've already said means towards God himself. Uh, it says they night and day, and this actually begins something here. And I'm I'm going to save that for next week as far as to what it actually begins, but it sets off something in motion. I'll just read the verse in verse nine. It says in verse eight they continue to do this day and night, but when they start to do this, look at what it says in verse nine of Revelation chapter four. And when the living creatures give glory and honor. And thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders then do something. And then that is joined by something else and then something else. And so we'll be able to see that. But as far as what this is for today, I'm going to stop right here. Because I don't want to go so fast through this that we actually miss a lot of this. But we're getting ready to pounce into chapter 5. And then again, judgment from heaven all the way to earth in, cha- in Revelation chapter 6. And so we can begin to see this commotion, this involvement, this action in heaven is taking place. And the earth doesn't see it yet. The earth does not see what John sees in Revelation chapter 4. The earth does not see anything of what's taking place in Revelation chapter 5. Chapter 6, verse 1, sets off the tribulation period as far as earth is concerned. And so that is where we will focus when we get to that point. But until then, this is John's vision of these uh, uh, angelic beings, these cherubim that we see that are there to guard the holiness and the holiness of God. And so what an exciting thing to, to be able to, to, to look into heaven. And we are looking at the very place where we are going to go. We're looking at the very place where we're going to be, and that is in heaven one day. And remember, this is able to be seen because God wants you to see it. He has given the commandment for John to write the things that he saw in chapter 1, the things that are, which is the church age, and then the things which shall take place after these things. So God is wanting us to read this. And to be encouraged by this, especially today's time, is the church. Because we're going to see the church is going to be raptured out and taken up into heaven. And then the tribulation period will begin on earth. What an exciting time we're living in. I would have never guessed 
some 20 years ago as I began to give these prophecy conferences uh, and I would begin to think through some of these things. I couldn't even imagine how they were going to take shape. And now you don't have to use much of a uh, creativity in your mind to imagine some of these things happening. I think the stage is getting set. The world is getting set for this to begin taking place. And so we are living in some very exciting times to be able to see it. Very frightful and very fearful at the same time. So stay with me as we continue to look at Revelation and this uh, look going all the way through. And next week we'll begin with verse 9 of Revelation chapter 4. And again, I thank you for joining me, and we'll see you next time.